welcome. Good day to all tuning in. Today is July 3rd, 2023. This is the Connor Chepnik Podcast, and today I'm just going to do another scroll with me. Uh, I wanted to start, I was reading something on Stacker News. So let me get my screen shared here. And the, what I thought this was cool is, uh, I think the echo chambers I stand, we all stand on social media, but the ones I specifically stand are typically Bitcoin related. And someone asked on Stacker News, are people in tech inside an AI echo chamber? AI has been all the rage. So it, this is a link to a uh, Hacker News article. And someone said, I recently spoke with a friend who is not in the tech space and he hadn't even heard of ChatGPT. He's a millennial and a white collar worker and smart. I've had conversations with non-tech people about ChatGPT AI, but not very frequently, which led me to think, are we just in an echo chamber? Not that this would be a bad thing, as we're all quite aware that AI will play an increasing role in our lives in and out of the office, but maybe AI mainstream adoption will take longer than we anticipate. What do you think? And then I thought this first comment was actually pretty good. Definitely, the tech is impressive, but anyone I've spoken to thinks of it as a clever bot 2.0. And among the more technically minded, I found that people mostly are indifferent. Hell, in real life, most people I don't, I don't know think much of it. Thought on Hacker News and elsewhere online, I see a lot of people praising it as the next coming of Christ, this thread included, which puts it in a similar tier as crypto and other Web3 hype trends as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, remember, there's Bitcoin and there's crypto, and crypto is basically just unregistered securities, and uh, Bitcoin can actually do a lot to fix the world, while unfortunately crypto seems to be a big space for grifters and people trying to dump on retail investors. But anyways, I digress. Every AI-related business idea I've seen prop up recently is about people hooking up a text box to ChatGPT's API and pretending they're doing something novel or impressive, presumably to cash in on, every, in on VC money ASAP. The notion AI is an absolute joke of epic proportions and its, useless, and, it, and its uselessness, yet they keep pushing it in every newsletter. In a funny personal anecdote, a colleague of mine tried to use ChatGPT4 when answering a customer question. They work support. The customer instantly knew it was AI-generated and was quite pissed about it, so the support team has an unofficial rule not to do that anymore. And I'll say, as someone who has very much appreciated ChatGPT's capabilities and someone who's used it, you can definitely tell when something's AI-generated. But at the same time, if you take the time to use AI to improve your writing, but then you actually go back and only keep the parts you like and then discard the parts that you think are irrelevant, I think this tool is incredible for writing. You know, I was having a conversation with some family and they were kind of afraid that ChatGPT would do away with all the creative stuff. And I was making the argument that if you actually give it solid inputs, it will produce a quality output and you still have to do the time of editing it. And I, I think it can bolster people's creativity, but I think you're going to have to spend a lot of time being more so a, uh, a producer and an editor rather than just a content creator yourself. You know, many times I'll write something and then I'll put it in ChatGPT to improve my writing. But it's not like I didn't originally write what I put in and then actually take what I think is valuable and discard the rest. You know, there's still a lot of editorial work I have to do when using ChatGPT, but it does help enhance my writing, take it to the next level. And I think for a lot of things, you know, I, I just think, as I understand large language models, it's all statistics. So based on X input, you're gonna get Y output and Y output is gonna be a lot better if you actually have a solid understanding of what you're asking for, you're very clear in whatever you input as X. So it's all just statistics. And I think if we start training large language models on very specific data, so you know, if I made a chat GPT that was focused on Bitcoin specific stuff, and I only fed it Bitcoin related data, you know, if I just fed it all of Bitcoin Magazine's articles or BitcoinNews.com articles or any quality media site that has a ton of articles on Bitcoin, I think it would output some really good questions. And you know, if anyone had, you know, they had heard FUD about Bitcoin and they want to understand why that FUD is just 
not correct, well, they could then go to that large language model and ask it something. And I think if you just scrape the web for as much data as you possibly can get and put it in something, well, you're going to get uh, mediocre results. But anyways, it's interesting to think about. I do think AI is going to revolutionize a lot of things, but I think it'll be similar to the internet. Maybe it'll be faster, but it'll be similar to the internet bubble in the sense that, you know, there'll be all this hype and then a few companies will actually come out of this and change the world for the better. I mean, as we see today, Google, Microsoft, Apple, plenty others have done incredibly well. And if you are an equity holder in any of these companies, you've done incredibly well. But Pets.com and a whole list of other companies are just out of business today because they, you know, were a big part of the hype of the dot-com bubble and then they just didn't succeed. But I digress. Let's get on with the scroll thing. I'm going to go to Noster first today. Uh, maybe I'll spend some time on Stacker News too because Stacker News is great. But let's go, let's go to Primal first. Let's see. Anything good? It's the guy who created the Domus app. Even if virtually anything can be art, there are levels of quality. Thomas Hooving. Yes, that's facts. What else we got today? Ooh, a video of a woodpecker. Interesting. Not really. Privacy is the ability to selectively reveal yourself to the world. Yep, well said indeed. There is no one on the planet that does not understand the value of AI, so we need a mechanism to fund it at scale. That is why Lightning and AI are a match made in heaven, Obi at Fetty. Yeah, I do think AI and Lightning are going to be super powerful because I think when you can send someone value, you know, little units of a Bitcoin, fractions of a pennies, to then use that compute, to use that large language model resource, I think it'll help people building legitimate AI tools that actually provide value, an easier way to monetize. And I think as an end user, I'd have no problem streaming someone's stats if they're going to give me a tool that's going to enhance my writing, that's going to enhance my ability to code, that's going to, you know, do all those things. So, yeah, I think integrating Lightning and AI would be very important. You know, Twitter recently did a thing where they set rate limits on uh, how many tweets you could view. And it was a super interesting video. Um, you know what, I actually want to play that video because I just thought it was... So relevant, and uh, th th that's what I want to talk about for the, for the rest of this. I'm going to play that video, and then I'll give my commentary on it. Let me see. Yeah, here it is. I responded to it. You can see an image of a boot stepping on DARPA. So yeah, let's play this video by Mike, um, and then I'll show you Elon Musk's tweet originally. To address extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation, we've applied the following temporary limits. Verified accounts are limited to 6,000 posts a day. Unverified accounts to 600 posts a day, new unverified accounts to 300 a day. So think, um, I, I think recently he raised that to 8,000 and 800 and 400. Um, yeah, let, let's watch the video and then, and then I'll give my comments there. Speed it up.
I just want to say immediately my mind goes to using slang, you know, mistyping words. So rather than using a G, maybe using a Q. We're just doing stuff like that to try and trick these AIs. And I'm sure they're going to get better and better, which is kind of the problem. It's a cat and mouse game. But if you know that they're censoring you, well, then it makes sense to try and subvert that censorship. And I think memes are powerful too. And now I know they're able to essentially read the text on a meme. And I know that because when I use my phone and I search something in photos, Apple will pull up a photo that doesn't actually have text I can copy and paste, but it can read that text now. So, you know, again, it goes back to the cat and mouse game. Now they can actually read the text inside a meme and then censor that. But yeah, I think using, uh, you know, letters that look alike or purposely misspelling stuff is going to become very important in the coming years as this Death Star censorship gets better. And actually to this video's point, I hope that Musk preventing these, you know, agents or people building these AI Death Stars to censor people, I hope that, uh, you know, Twitter makes it harder for them to do that because I don't think censorship is right. I think the First Amendment in the United States is a beautiful thing and I'm very grateful to live in a country that values freedom of speech. But anyways, back to the video. If you hear someone say this is an attack on democracy, uh, I think in most cases they're actually saying this is an attack on authoritarianism and tyranny, but I digress.
yeah, what a what a video. Um, I quote tweeted it, and uh, what did I say? Taxpayers' dollars going to fund an LLM, a large language model that can be best described as the Death Star of censorship. I mean, that is terrifying. Like, it, it's you know, in the country that has the most beautiful constitution in history, as far as I'm concerned, we have taxpayer-funded people trying to censor free speech. I mean, it, it's sad, and you know, I I do think a lot of AI tech bubbles that people get in on social media can definitely be echo chambers and I, I think uh, while a lot of people have used ChatGPT, I think a lot of people aren't aware of how much these artificial intelligence tools are going to shake things up and I think like the point that guy made in this video the internet's going to change fundamentally because the, the censorship Death Star model whatever you want to call it is basically fed data from Twitter so if that data is taken away yeah they're going to freak out probably you know it's been uh two days since you know musk announced the rate limit thing and i'm curious to see how this shakes out but you know that's not the only uh large language model i'm sure that's scraping twitter data and all these sites reddit quora facebook instagram i, I mean you you name it you go on and on hell noster there's going to be some very valuable there's going to be a lot of junk but there's going to be some very valuable data that you can tra train a language model on and I, I think companies are going to be hesitant to give up that moat you know, I'd also be very interested if Twitter themselves tried to create some large language model because they have incredibly valuable data on their platform. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, as as individuals, as sovereign individuals, it's very important we use AI to create a better world, use it to increase your writing, use it to be a better content creator. You know, there's an artificial intelligence called Dummy, literally D-U-M-M-E dot com. And uh, their servers have been down because I'm sure that people love this service, especially if you're a content creator. But I don't make my own shorts anymore. I just upload the YouTube URL to Dummy, and it makes shorts for me. It adds the you know the little text so it looks good. And I mean, it's incredible, and it saves me so much time. And I think there are going to be so many jobs where people are going to be able to leverage these AI tools to improve, you know, to increase their productivity. And I think that's a good thing. I think what's scary is seeing examples of DARPA and whatever taxpayer-funded people are using it to create a Death Star of censorship. I mean, it's it like, part of me laughs because like that, a Death Star of censorship, it sounds so ridiculous. But at the same time, it, it's just for a country that prides itself on democracy and freedom of speech, that is so antithetical to every principle that this country was built on. And, uh, you know, I hope it stopped. It needs to stop, but... Let's keep scrolling a little bit. Go back to Noster. We'll see. Grilling nice. What else we got on here? The rate limits will increase until your adherence to the WEF social credit score system improves. <laughs> if you don't like it, build your own social network. Okay. And then the meme has a, a, a Twitter guy on the crying Wojak and a Noster thing on the Chad Wojak. I love that. No, it's great. Noster is amazing and people should use it. And you know what? That was such a funny tweet. I'm going to go ahead and zap homie. Check this out. Yep. I just got to enter my password right quick. Oh, wrong password. Oopsie. Let's try that again. Maybe I had a typo. All right, there we go. 69 sats. There you go, Cordalorian. Excellent meme. Excellent meme, sir. And I zapped him. I just sent him about a cent. And I mean, that might not be much, but if a ton of people do that, you know, that adds up over time. And he, he shared a meme that made me laugh. And I thought, yes, this is fantastic. You know, and the fact that I can do that on social media, I can also like it, sure. But like really doesn't do anything. 
um, especially not on Noster because Primal doesn't have an algorithm, I'm pretty sure, and Noster's just a protocol. There's not an algorithm to filter my feed. I guess Primal has a trending algorithm, so you can see trending posts, but, like, what's on my feed is just people I follow. But I want to be able to support, uh, you know, people who I think provide value, and you can't do that on any other social media. I mean, you could tip someone, but the, the friction, I mean, look how easy that was. I literally clicked a button, uh, used this Albi, getalbi.com. It's a, it's a great little extension where you can load it up with some lightning, uh, with the lightning wallet, and then tip people sats at the speed of light. I mean, it, I, I feel like I'm living in the future. The ability to send people actual value for you know, providing quality content, that's going to revolutionize social media. It's going to revolutionize the way we interact with people. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing being able to do peer-to-peer value-for-value transactions. And uh, let's wrap up by doing a little more scrolling on Stacker News. I want to go to Bitcoin threads and see uh, see what's going on in the Bitcoin space. Um, 4th of July, Brooklyn, New York, 1969. Declaration of Independence based. I have, you know, this is totally uh, candid, so let's, let's see. This, this will be the last post I read today. Growing up in New York City in the 1960s, I used to look forward to the 4th of July in Brooklyn. We lived in Queens, not far from Shea Stadium, and my beloved New York Mets, but we always spent the 4th with my cousins and grandparents in Brooklyn. Things were different back then. Nobody drove to a local park or beach to watch fireworks. The holiday was a participatory event. My uncle worked in the city, the, the place that everyone in the rest of the world called Manhattan. So he would pick up our arsenal in June from Chinatown, which is where everyone got their fireworks. He paid cash, and my dad would split the cost with them later. My father and uncle loved the 4th of July almost as much as I did. Before sundown, I would be allowed to shoot off some of the small stuff, usually individual mat fireworks and a few bottle rockets. Later, my uncle would drag a giant old metal milk bucket filled with sand into the street. That's when the real fun started. Family lore has it that my father had me hold a lit Roman candle in the middle of the street when I was two or three years old. I have no memory of the event, but apparently my mother was furious at him, fearing that I would get hurt. I didn't. As a matter of fact, no one knew I ever, no one I knew ever got hurt. We'd hear rumors and see articles in the newspapers every year, but I never met anyone who lost an eye or a finger. Why did we have to get the fireworks from Chinatown? I don't know. Back then, different ethnic groups controlled different parts of the economy in the city. The Chinese had the fireworks. Koreans controlled flower shops. The Jews sold bagels and niches. And Italians like us had the pizza market cornered. The one thing all these groups had in common was the dollar, the long green. Checks and credit cards were rare back then and were used only to pay the rent, mortgages, and utilities. There would be stories about how New York underground economy was costing the city millions of dollars a year. Nobody cared. Everyone just paid their bills and fed their kids. I guess I should point out that fireworks were illegal in New York City back then. I didn't even know they were illegal until I was a teenager. The sound of explosions that could be heard every 4th of July in Bensonhurst could make you think World War III had started, yet I never remembered seeing a cop. Old ladies would pull out folding chairs or sit on the stoop to enjoy the show. No one was inside. Sure, there was the occasional squabble when an errant bottle rocket would take out a neighbor's flower pot, but no one would even think of calling the police. It was one big party. The cops lived in the neighborhood too, and they were probably igniting their own stash. There was a different feel back then. I'm not saying that everyone loved the police, but your average citizen didn't fear that the SWAT team might show up. This was before the police departments were militarized with overpriced weaponry sold to the Defense Department by Raytheon. This was back when constitutional protection still meant something. This was before Nixon cut the last remaining ties to a gold conversion in 1971, unleashing a fiat tidal wave. No things were perfect back then, and maybe I'm just an old man longing for days gone by, but sometimes I feel like I don't recognize the country where I was born. When I was a kid... Whenever you got into an argument with one of your friends over something, the discussion would always, end, would always end with the refrain, it's a free country, I can do what I want. I doubt anyone says that anymore. Hmm. 
Yeah, that was uh, an interesting read. And it is kind of sad that we now live in a world where people feel less free. But at the same time, I'm so hopeful for the future. I mean, you know, I think that was a beautiful post about, you know, the freedom of America and people turning a blind eye and just going about their life and, you know, going about their business. And I'm going to zap them 100 zats because I thought it was a well-written post. And uh, I'm going to post, I understand where you are coming from. My mother would always talk about how she grew up in Key Largo and would set off smoke bombs in the local security guard's tower. Nowadays, some idiot kid would probably film it, put it on their Snapchat story, and the cops... <laughs> would show up later at that kid's house because they were able to obtain the Snapchat footage. Yes, America has its challenges, but I'm so grateful for Bitcoin and Noster and Sacker News. And I truly believe that these tools will help us get back to a place where people are expressing the sentiment. It's a free country. I can do what I want. Reply. So yeah, thank you guys for watching. You know, I, I enjoy doing these scrolls. Uh, I encourage people to use Stacker News. Go ahead, use Noster. Uh, you know, I still like Twitter. I still like legacy social media accounts. But I think these new and upcoming platforms where I can just do value for value. I could send sats to people who provide value. And yeah, I mean, I might have sent, what, 169 sats on this call? It's like, what, three, four cents? That's nothing. But again, if enough people do that, you know, think as a content creator, if you have a YouTube channel with 100,000 views and each of those people sends you a thousand Satoshis, which is like 50 cents. Well, 100,000 times a thousand, I believe is, is that a full Bitcoin? I'm going to check this math because I could be totally off on that. 100,000 times 1,000 equals three, three. Yeah, that's a full Bitcoin. So, you know, don't scoff at value for value. It's going to change the world even more so than AI, I believe. Yeah, thank you guys for watching. This has been a pleasure. And uh, I hope every one of you has a fantastic day. Stay safe. You are loved, Anon.